Have a good morning. First, I want to apologize for the band. Uh, for, to the band, not for the band. <laughs> not for the band, but to the band. Um, the song before the last one, I started in the wrong key. That's why the backing track was in the wrong key. Um, so, they're like, um, that's not the key we practiced it in. I was like, oh, well, I'll change that one to capo one at some point during our practice and didn't realize. So, I apologize to them. But... Um, in 1965, you can, you can turn up the lights a little bit if you want to. Um, if you want to, it don't matter. Uh, in 1965, there's this uh, artist by the name of Jackie DeShannon. Anybody knows Jackie DeShannon? No? Huh? Not Jackie Chan. Jackie DeShannon. She released a song, and these songs will be very familiar, okay? Um, once I start reading the lyrics. But the lyrics said this, What the world needs now is love. Sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. You recognize the song? Everybody know it? What the world needs now is love, sweet love. But what she wasn't aware of is that the love that she was seeking for the world was already a reality made available in Christ. Right? And I wonder how many of us have missed out on love. How many people around us have missed out on this love that we often sing about, right? Whether it be on Sunday morning worship songs that we sing about this love that laid down his life for us, or um, you listen to any kind of radio station right now, no matter what it is, what are most of the songs about? Love, in one way or the other, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Some of them get me a little excited, you know what I'm saying? But, But we're all... Seeking love because we know that the world that we're in really needs love, the love that's already made available. In fact, um, John, we're not to this chapter yet, but in John 15, 13, it says, For, the, for the, greatest love of all, all, the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. That's the love that was already made available in Christ, that our friend Jesus, our friend, our Savior, our, our, our king laid down his life for us. For us, This is exactly what Christ did for me and you because he, he wants you to experience this explosive love that's rolled into the scene when he went to the cross. This chapter, we are going to, we're going, this chapter that we're going to read today, we're going to see love in many different forms. We're going to see love that gives something new, a love that serves, a love that forgives, a love given when it's not deserved which all of us in this room can identify with that love. Sometimes I wonder, just, in, just on, on an earthly level, how, why Brittany loves me the way she does, because I don't, I'm not always good to her. Does that make sense? Like, how did I marry up, y'all? You know what I'm saying? It's a love, it's a, this love is a love that the world needs, and I think sometimes we, we, we mistaken, we get, because we forget what love really means, because, we love our tacos, we love our chihuahuas, and I just said that because we talked about tacos, and when you think about tacos, you think of Taco Bell, and you think of little chihuahua commercials, right? We love our jobs, we love this, we love that, we throw out love, and, and sometimes we forget that love, especially love that Christ, one, showed for us, but calls us to do for others, is a sacrificial love. And just so you guys are aware, this is a side note. Chapter 13 that we're starting today starts the last 36 hours of Jesus' life. 
So what we're going to start reading from, from today is the last 24 to 36 hours of Jesus' life before his resurrection. His resurrection day is coming. But let me just get started, all right? John 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go to the next one because I skipped that part and it's fine. Jesus had demonstrated a deep, tender love for them. And now he longed to show them the full measure of his love. Right? You can go ahead and skip to the next one. Before their evening meal had begun, the accuser had already planted betrayal into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. So here we're about to be in the Last Supper. Right? About to be at the Last Supper. And Judas has already went and talked to the priest once or twice. But let's be honest, when, when we read something like this, well, not, well, at least for me, there's a little bit of disdain for Judas when I read this, right? Like, how dare him betray the one that has loved him for the last three years? Like, he's the savior of the world. Like, he, you, you are going to get what you deserve for turning your back on Jesus. That's how I feel, right? Like, I want to get angry. I want to get upset. Like, I want to, if I could meet Judas today, I'd punch him right in the face. I mean, you, you betrayed the savior of the world, and like you said, he gets what he deserves. It's, it's almost like this anger, this anger builds up inside of me towards Judas, forgetting that I'm just like Judas. Like, Ju- like Judas, like Judas, I have turned my back several times on God in the direction that he wants to go. Like, in fact, many of us in this room either are or are currently or at one point were enemies of God who have turned their back and went the opposite direction. In fact, Isaiah 53, 6 describes us this way. way. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've left the shepherd. We've all done our own things, gone our own way, and God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on on him. Philippians describes us this way, he says. He says, for for there are many many who, who live by different standards. As I've warned you many times, I weep as I write these words. They are enemies of the cross of the anointed one. And, and doom awaits them. Their God has possessed them and made them mute. Their, their, boast, their boast is in their, their shameful lifestyles and their minds are in the dirt. It's me and you. In fact, the brother of Jesus, James, wrote this. He says this, he says, You have become spiritual, spiritual adulterers who are having an affair. Basically, we're switching from belief system to belief system. We're, trusting, we're saying we trust God, but we're really trusting something else. You have become spiritual adulterers who are having an affair, an unholy relationship with the world. Don't you know that flirting with the world's values places you at odds with God? Whoever chooses to be the, wor- be the world's friend makes himself God's enemy. That's hard, right? Especially for those... Uh, it's, um, a, I, not, I almost say it especially for those churches who, who try to entertain the, what the world believes just to be more accepting of things. According to James, that makes you an enemy of God, when, especially when he speaks against some of those things, those values that the world holds. But needless to say, many of us in this room, it may not be that extreme, but many of us have placed our own values over top of what God says that we should value the standards of God. We have made ourselves enemies of God. So when we read stuff like Judas or anybody else that seems to have betrayed or give up, gave up on Jesus, no, 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 that is you. 
the only one that is truly faithful is Jesus himself. He's the only one that's been faithful. And he's been faithful not for his own welfare, but for yours. Even though, because he knew how, bad, how badly we would fail and how we would portray him, but while we were still enemies, Christ died for us, which we're going to get to here in a minute. Many of us in this room are just like Judas or were at one point like Judas, so we can't cast judgment. We can't throw stones anymore. We were all once enemies of God, God because of the lifestyle we, we decided to walk in. So I want to keep reading about this love. Okay? John 13.3 goes on to say, Now Jesus was fully aware that the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come from God and was about, about to go back to be with him. I'll pause here just for a second. So I'm going to be perfectly clear. Some, some commentators say that what this is meaning is that Jesus had the option to bail out. But he doesn't. That's why he prayed the prayer that he did in the garden. Right? If there's any way that this cup can pass, any way that this, go, this could go another direction, please let it pass for me. But ultimately, your will. That even in the moment where he could bail, he said no. I'm turning out. Turning around. I'm going in the direction. I'm going in, in the direction of my purpose. It says, now Jesus was fully aware, I'll go back one. So Jesus was fully aware the Father had placed all things under his control, for he had come to he had come from God and was about to go back to be with him. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer robe and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. With his towel. I love that. They had that in their butt. Let me ask this question. Was Judas present? Yes. Did Jesus know that Judas was about to betray him? Yes. Did Jesus still serve Judas by washing his feet? Yes. Which that's a message in and of its own, right? So let me, so let me tell you about this love of Christ for you. That even though you turn your back on him, though, though you, are, you willingly choose to go opposite of the direction he tells you to go in, even though he's done such good things for you and has brought you out of debt into life, he says, and it echoes what Romans, what Paul wrote to us in Romans that says, and there is still much more to say about his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us or brought us back to himself, Though the death, through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more we will be rescued from sin's dominion. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy or, or triumphant peace or triumphant, you name it, in our new relationship of living reconciled to God, all because of Jesus Christ. So even though you turn your back, you betray him, he still washes your feet. While we were still in rebellion, Christ died for us. Guess what? He still washed Judas' feet. So it doesn't matter how you came in here or how you're listening to this later. All right? Like, Jesus still will wash your feet. You don't have to clean yourself up. He will do that. Now that's that's some love. 
So I don't know about you, but if somebody somebody does me dirty, guess what? It's hard for me to go back and say, you know what, I'm willing to serve you. I mean, but if Christ is the standard, how are you measuring up? Let's keep going. Let's keep reading about some love. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I can't let you wash my dirty feet. You're my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing, but soon it will be clear. Soon it will be clear. So let me, let me explain a little bit. In Hebrew culture, it was customary when receiving a new inheritance, the person would take off their sandals and wash the other person's feet. Right? When they're receiving a new inheritance, the sandals would be removed and the feet be cleaned in a covenant of inheritance so that every defilement would be removed so they could step into their new inheritance anew. Okay? So here's what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is telling Peter, Peter, like, you don't understand. I'm preparing you for what I'm about to give you. I'm about to give you something new. My love is about to give you something new, and you can't walk in it in the same way that you're walking now. So I have to do this. You don't understand, I have to do this. By removing their sandals and washing their feet, Jesus was showing them that he, he was granting them a new inheritance, something, a, a different way to walk. A different, different like, you know, have you heard those uh, motivational speakers, like you've got to walk with confidence, you've got to walk like, with, like you own it? You know what I'm saying? This is what Jesus is doing. Like, I want, for you to own it, you, ha- you can't walk in the same way. You can't walk into the same defilement. It's a sign, it's a sign that, that you can't clean your own feet to get, to get this inheritance. You won't be able to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps to get there, which is a total lie, right? No amount of work will be able to get you there, only the fact that Jesus washes away those defilements. That's how you walk in this new inheritance. But this is also a sign that through, lo- through the love of Christ, you don't have to keep living your own, your old life. I tell kids this all the time at school. That's just how I have to be at home. You're, you may be right. You may have to throw fists at home, but you don't have to live the same lifestyle as everyone else around you. You can choose to be something different. I understand that you might have to fight for what's yours for yours at home. I get it. But here you don't have to. You don't have to live the same lifestyle as everybody else around you. In fact, for you to have something new, for you to break the curse that's going on in your family, for, and this is not just for them, for you sitting here, if you want to break the curse that's on your family, then you have to walk differently. You have to do things differently. You don't have to live the same life as the, people, the generation before you. He goes on to say this. He goes, Peter looked at Jesus and said, You'll never wash my dirty feet. Never. He's like, Peter, you, do you really want to tell Jesus what to do? <laughs> How'd that work last time? But Peter, if you, this is Jesus. But Peter, if you don't allow me to wash your feet, Jesus responded, then you will not be able to share life with me or share in this inheritance. If you don't let Jesus work in your life, you will not make it to the end. You with me? He goes on to say, so Peter said, and I love this about Peter, because I think he's one of those, like, he realizes, oh, put my mouth again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's like, one, I want that. I want to live in that. I want, I want to live in that inheritance. I want to live with you. I want your power. 
Peter says, I'm sorry, Lord, and in that case, don't just wash my feet, wash my hands and my head too. Wash all of me. And Jesus said to him, you're already clean. What? You're already clean. You've been washed completely and you just need your feet to be cleansed. But that can't be said of all of you. Oh, who's he talking about? He's talking about Judas. Where Jesus knew which one was about to betray him. And, and that's why he told them not all of them were clean. But it still amazes me that he still washed Judas' feet. The invitation is still open. Judas, you're going to have to do what you're going to do because that's what prophet, prophecy says that you're going to do. But I want you to know that even when all this is over with, forgiveness can happen. Just like, just like Peter denying him, right? And when Jesus meets him on the shore, he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? They go and feed my sheep. Just because you betray me. It's the story of two people here. One who chose to accept Jesus' forgiveness and one who chose to run and hide. And when you run and hide, when you run away from your mistake, instead of allowing Jesus to work in it, your life is over. And so that's why I told them not all of them were clean. And after washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. And he says, do you understand what I just did? Jesus asked. You've called me your teacher and Lord. And you're right, for that's who I am. So if I am your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow my example that I've set for you. Remember, he's the standard, so follow my standard. You should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I have just done for you. Because love compels us to do things in service for Christ. That's why Paul would write to us in 1 Corinthians 5.14, he would say, For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and motivates us. Because we are absolutely convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means all died with him. So that those who live should no longer live self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him, the one who died for us and now lives again. Because he served, we serve. But it goes so much deeper than that. So much deeper than that. To do for others what I have just done for you. What did he just do? It goes deeper than washing feet, remember? He introduces them to their new inheritance. So what does it mean to do for others what I've just done for you? We serve others to introduce people to their new inheritance and nothing else. So it means anybody can go serve, right? Anybody can go to a food bank. You don't have to be... You don't have to be a believer to go feed the homeless. But for these, for, but to do, for the homeless to receive their new inheritance, they need a believer to introduce that to them. Those people that you work, at your work that you want to serve, you're not serving them just to serve them. It's deeper than that. You're serving them to introduce them to their new inheritance. What are you introducing people to? When you serve, are they encountering Jesus or are they encountering your service? You're like, Derek, I just wish I knew the will of God, what he wants me to do. 
Serve others by showing them their inheritance. Wash their feet. Get them ready to walk in their new inheritance. That's the will of God. To go into all the world and proclaim my message. It goes on to say, I speak to you a timeless truth, Jesus said. A servant is not superior to his master. And an apostle is never greater than one who sent him. Because an apostle means one that is sent. Okay. So now, put into practice what I have done for you. And you will experience a life of happiness, enriched, with untold blessings. I am telling you this now, before it happens, so that when the prophecy comes comes to pass, you'll go, oh, sorry, I, meant, I skipped the whole verse. I'm telling you, sorry. My bad. I don't refer to all of you when I tell you these things, for I know the ones I've chosen to fulfill the scriptures that says, the one who shared supper with me uh, treacherously, treacherously betrays me. And I'm telling you this now, before it happens, so that when the prophecy comes to pass, you will be convinced that I, I am. There he is, calling himself God again. So all those people who said, well, Jesus never said he was God. There it is. I am. It's a tetragrammatron of the Hebrew language. It's the unspeakable name of God that only, like he says only I can say this. So he's saying, I am, I am the unspeakable. Listen, listen to this timeless truth. Whoever receives the messenger I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives the Father who sent me. And Jesus was moved deeply in his spirit. This many means that Jesus knew one was about to betray him and he was heartbroken. Right? So he knows heartbreak of betrayal. He knows what it feels like to be have his back turned on. Looking at the disciples, he announced, I tell you the truth, one of you is about to betray me. I can just imagine Jesus kind of tearing, tearing it up, tearing up. Because he loved Judas. He loved Judas. I love this next part. Eyeing each other. Eyeing each other. His disciples puzzled over which one of them could do such a thing. The disciple that Jesus dearly loved, which is who? John. John. Yeah, he's the one he says, Jesus loved me more than anybody. The, disciples that, the disciple that Jesus dearly loved was on the right, right of him at the table and was le- uh, leaning his head on Jesus. Like, I'm so jealous of John right now. I just should be able to lean my head over on his shoulder. <laughs> Peter gestured. The disciple to ask to this disciple to ask Jesus who it was. And my Peter going, That's who it is. Since you're the one he dearly loves. Then the dearly loved disciple leaned into Jesus' chest and whispered, Master, who is it? This is Jesus' response. The one I give this piece of bread to after I've dipped it in the bowl. And Jesus replied, and, it, and I'll talk about this in a second, anyways. Then he dipped the piece of bread into the bowl and handed it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And when Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus looked at Judas and said, What you are planning to do, do it now. None of those around the table realized what was happening. Some thought Judas, their, their, their trusted treasurer, was being told to go buy what was needed for the Passover celebration. Or perhaps go give something to the poor. 
But Judas left quickly and went out to the dark night to betray Jesus. Here's why this is important. Even this is customary in Judas in Jewish customs to dip something or to give favored food to a friend. That's why the disciples were didn't understand what was going on. This customary act of friendship and love in the Hebrew culture to give choice food or dipped bread to a friend. Again, it was Jesus still saying, I know what you're about to do and I still love you. He's looking at you and saying, I know what you're about to do. I know what your future holds. And I still love you. And you have the choice to go do what you're supposed to do. Do what you need to do. know that I still love you. When you make mistakes, when you turn your back on me, I still love you. Because he is a good, 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 good friend. And a good, good, good savior. But Jesus, in his love, is about to give the rest of the disciples some bad news. Because they're still kind of guessing what's going on. Why is this so solemn today? But he tells them, yes, they, they, they can have hope. They have something to hang on to. Right? This, this is what Jesus what happens. After Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the glory of God to surround the Son of Man, and God will be greatly glorified through what happens to me. And very soon, God will unveil the glory of the Son of Man. My dear friends, I only have a brief time left to be with you. And then you will search and long for me, but I tell you, tell you what I told the Jewish leaders. You will not be able to come where I am. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. Which is about to prove to the point of laying down your life for your friend. Are you willing to let go of everything that you hold on to? that people can see the love of Christ. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. And Peter interjected, but master, where are you going? It wasn't always Peter, the first one to say something. And Jesus replied, where, am I, where I am going, you won't be able to follow. But one day, one day, you will follow me there. One day. So you can't go right this second because I have a job for you to do. This is why he does, well, as soon as you accept salvation, he doesn't just zip you onto heaven because you have something to do. And Peter said, what do you mean I'm not able to follow you now? I would sacrifice my life to die for you. The big, the big words, right? Jesus answered, would you really lay down your life for me, Peter? One day he will. Not right now. And he says, here's the absolute truth. Before the rooster crows in the morning, you will say three times that you don't even know me. Can you imagine Peter sitting there? Like, no! Peter, much like us, we want to live with our masks on instead of really, you know, really 
accepting our weaknesses. Right? He just told them, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to die. And you're not going to die with me right now. One day you will. One day you'll be where I'm going. But right now you're going to be staying. And I can just imagine the disciples being like, but we still have so much to learn. We're still like, why are you leaving us? In fact, here in just a couple of hours, he's going to be arrested. And here's Jesus' promise. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Well, thanks, Jesus. That's a little bit easier said than done, right? If you believe in God, now trust and believe in me also. Here's something that you can have hope in. Otherwise, I would tell you plainly, because I go to prepare a place for you to rest. This life is going to be hard. This life is going to be punishing towards you. You're, this life is you're going to you're going to dream of a better tomorrow. Keep on dreaming. Hold on to that dream because I am going to prepare a place for you. And it's going to be so good, y'all. And when everything is ready, I will come back and take you to myself, so that you will be where I am. And you already know the way to the place where I am going. And here's Thomas, doubting Thomas, or really honest Thomas, right? Thomas said to him, Master, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way there? Let me explain. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father or in union to the Father except through faith or union with me. To know me is to know my Father too. And from now on, you will realize that you have seen him and experienced him. In fact, the next verse that we're going to start with next week says, one of the disciples asked him, he says, show us the Father. Oh, you're, I'm about to show you the love of the Father here in a minute. So give me a couple hours. But here's the question. Here's the question. Are you accepting the love of Jesus? This explosive love that changes everything. Or are you just living, trying to get there yourself? Because this love forgives. This love, this love, this love gives us something new. This love comes to us even when we don't deserve it. Are you accepting of this love? Because he so wants you to be there one day. And are you living your life as if you experienced this love for all those of us who are believers? Are you sacrificially laying your life down for those around you? 